Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Coach Speak. I'm Matt Seidel, along with fellow hosts Derek Seidel and Josh Trope. Derek, Josh, what is going on? Oh, you know, I'm uh, really enjoying the NBA being back on with four games a day here. Uh, meaningful games, too. Um, I've, been, I've been glued to the TV a lot the last couple of days, and I'm expecting that to be the same whenever I'm not uh, doing stuff for school. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, no, it's, it's like the NCAA tournament all over again. You know, you got like four uh, games a day. You know, it's just nonstop action. There's been upsets. There's been some fun stuff. I know we all love our Mavericks, and, and they're rolling right now. And and uh, hopefully get to see the Blazers uh, take it to the Lakers again tonight. Uh, yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys are having fun because, you know, I've been sitting around refreshing my email for, I think, about 26 hours or so, just waiting for another one of those uh, MHSAA updates. And, and, hey, it finally came. And I, I can't tell you how excited I am, he said sarcastically. Uh, not Not fun, but. Nothing new, obviously, was announced regarding volleyball, soccer, and swimming, which is uh, frustrating, but um, all three of those sports remain on ice throughout most of the state, at least uh, the parts down here. We did learn that football and other spring sports get 16 fall practice dates, which uh, I find interesting. I'm not sure, to be honest, what that's going to look like. I also think it could prove uh, counterproductive um, since football players at many schools are now playing soccer. Uh, or maybe running cross country. Will they feel pressure to give up on that because football is practicing, uh, even though it's deemed optional? And that goes for girls, too, that are already involved in fall sports. But now their spring teams are going to be offering some workouts and they're going to feel pressure to do both. And I just I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but at least I guess kids are going to get an opportunity to do some things. But putting all that aside, um, let me just say that we are thrilled to have veteran boys basketball coach Rex Stanzak as our guest today, and he'll be joining us in uh, just a few minutes. But let's first talk about a basketball philosophy question that uh, Coach Trope threw at us uh, in our group text this morning. Tell me if I'm wrong, Josh, but it, it came from something you saw on Twitter, right? Yeah, so our, our friend uh, Coach Matt Dennis, and I, and I always butcher the school's name, so I apologize <laughs> the families in the, the, the community, but Otstigo, I believe is, is how you say it, ah. but they are the Bulldogs. So that, that part's easy to remember. And they've had a great basketball tradition and, and we're, you know, we're friends with Matt. He, he joined a couple of our zooms um, that we had in the spring. And I saw this come across my Twitter feed today and I really liked it. And it's, it talked about, um, here's the question he posed. Do you put your best player if they are your best defender on the other team's best player, or do you put your best defender on someone else so they can be a great help defender? And um, I thought this would be a great uh, conversation for us because I know we have, you know, different defensive philosophies. So I thought this would be a great one to talk about. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really good question. It's a thought provoking question. Uh, I think the biggest thing to take into account here is the context is really important. I, I do think, Sometimes having your best defender off the ball can be really valuable. If you think about a guy like Draymond Green, like he really makes his living being an outstanding help defender. So, you know, with his ability to, you know, help on cuts and, and, and be a bit of a rim protector, also switch on ball screens. Like he's the kind of guy I don't think you want to put on the other team's um, best defender. But I, I do think at times, you know, it uh, there might be a guy who, 
you know, is is better off being locked into to to one guy, you know, and you're gonna just tell him, hey, we need you to shut this guy down. Um, I know for me in the past, I've tried it both ways, um, and I think I think it, it's really depending on the the situation. I think the other thing to consider too is if your best player is um, also your best defender, do you want to try to? I know this is kind of an NBA concept, but do you want to not uh, not waste him defensively and allow him to to run the show offensively and use his energy on that end of the floor? Yeah, you know, I, all that I, I, all that sinks in. I, my biggest deal, I guess, it, it, normally. Uh, I can think of all the best players I've had over the years. Normally, they're also my best offensive player, and I can't. I feel like I can't afford to have them off the floor, so I hesitate to put them. Uh, I want to give them a softer defensive assignment whenever possible. I also don't want them in foul trouble. And I mean, it's like I'm one of those guys too, and I know this is probably not popular with uh, a lot of young coaches who love to celebrate the flops that go on during basketball <laughs> for days, but. I, I don't want I don't want my best offensive players out there flopping and trying to take charges because, you know, three things can happen and two of them are bad. One is a foul and two is an injury. And the third one is you can uh, you can get the charge call and sometimes you get the charge call and you get an injury. So there's certain guys that I, I think are really good at, at flopping and, and doing that defensively. And uh, I, I prefer not to have them on the other team's best player. And maybe you put them on the other team's best player in, in situations, you know, you're down late or you're, you're, they're making a run and you got to stop a guy and, and your guy isn't in foul trouble, but I would prefer to keep them off. And... I, I like both of your answers. I think we, we've tried all those things. I, I was interested to hear what you guys had to say. Um, it made me think more um, about what I do as a, a team in general. So for instance, you know, I, I had Ross off it last year who is really long and athletic guard, but he wasn't a great uh, on ball defender against the dribble. So we would put him on the other team's best shooter be- because of his length, you know, that type of thing. Um, you know, we played uh, a Joe Francis out of Adrian who can really do it all and shoot from 30 feet. We put our smaller, quicker guards to get up into him to make him start driving towards the basket where we had help defenders. Um, you know, I, I agree with you. You want to save your best defender if he's your best player until the fourth quarter because of foul trouble and tired legs and all those things. And because we switch so much, if if a team's heavy into ball screens, I'll often put one of my best defenders onto the guy that sets a lot of ball screens so he switches onto the best player. So I think all those things, it depends on your philosophy, if you're a switching team or not. But I think we all agree we got to save our best guy until the fourth quarter. And then you, you turn to your best player and say, okay, be my best player, be the best defender and offensive player and get me through the fourth quarter. And I think that's that's pretty common. You know, I and I know Matt. You like to joke, uh, you, you know, that we don't play defense at Chelsea and and things like that. But you know, I, our guest coming up, Rex, we did hold them. You know, when Derek coached with me, we held them to twenty one points in the in the district uh, quarterfinal. I, I, Derek, I don't think they scored forty points that entire week against us, did they? Uh, no, it was a stressful week though because we were not putting up a ton of points ourselves. Uh, but hey, we got the job done. <laughs> Yeah, we did. No, but I, I think these are great conversations to have. And I and I think I'd be interested. I'll follow uh, Matt's um, Twitter to see what people say. But I, I really like enjoy following Matt because he, he poses things like this quite often. This topic, too, makes me think a little bit about if you remember when we had Julian Lewis on here and he talked about uh, uh, the game with uh, Imani Bates and yep. the regular season game at the end of the year. And Coach Maha did not 
put Julian on Bates during that game. And I think Julian is, is I don't think it was even, uh, there was no doubt he was the best defender on that team. Now, whether he kept him, you know, while Lee's smart guy, he may have kept him off, like he said, to, to, uh, so he could surprise him with it or, or, you know, not give him a good look because they were going to play him again the next week in the district. Or maybe he kept him off because he also didn't want Julian in foul trouble trying to guard that guy. But um, it just, it made me think about that too. So, uh, and, and yeah. to that point, there's one other thing I think you got to take into account because I, I know, you know, coaching with you, Matt, and, and and you, Derek, as well, I know a lot of times we'll face guard the other team's best defender, and you guys have done that as well. Well, if, if I'm going to face guard and chase that guy around, I'm probably going to put the kid on my team that's, um, that struggles to score offensively because then he can just worry about that and, and you know, just be a part of our offense. And, and so I think that's another thing. If you're face guarding that guy, now you just want a great athlete that you're not worried about whether they can score or not right absolutely absolutely what's going to be interesting that maybe we should ask coach Stanzak uh you know uh who he puts you on uh, coach Trope when he was coaching you uh 27 years ago or whatever it was but, Sad, uh, sadly uh, <laughs> I was that guy that couldn't score that was the great defender. Oh, he, he didn't mind <laughs> sacrificing you out there okay no he did not all right well that's a great that's a great segue anyway so let's uh let's get to our special guest we are now joined on Coach Speak by Rex Stanzak, who is currently the head boys basketball coach at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor. Rex has 26 years of varsity head coaching experience under his belt, including two at South Lyon, two at Ypsilanti, nine at Wald Lake Western, and 12 at Pioneer. During those 26 seasons, uh, Rex's teams won nine district championships and one regional title. And he also reached the Class A Final Four in 2007 with his Pioneer Squad. Rex, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I know you're, uh, you're probably, your adrenaline's flowing right now after watching that uh, Democratic National Convention last night. So this is a great time, I'm sure, to have you on. Anytime it's the day after I get to watch Barack Obama give one of his classic speeches, I'm all fired up. That is the plug I was hoping for right there. Nice job, sir. I queued it up for you perfectly. So I also get to pick the uh, first topic of the day since I'm the oldest. I'm the senior member of this podcast. So Talk to us uh, a little bit about what it's like coaching in the Catholic League. And is that, in your opinion, the right place for Gabriel Richard, considering, I guess, what's available in Washtenaw County? Um, the Catholic League is, uh, is an interesting place. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it, to say it is vastly different from anywhere else I've been would be an understatement. My personal opinion, and I, I'm not going to say this is the school's opinion in any way, but my personal opinion is, we're in a bad spot in the Catholic league. Uh, Catholic league is at least from a basketball standpoint, it it's great at the upper levels. You know, there's five big, huge Catholic schools that compete right. in that top division. It is great at the lower levels. There's a whole bunch of schools. Some are not actually Catholic schools, but they've got, I don't know, 12 or 14 schools, two divisions in the, in the third division. That yep. works out great. They have their crossover games, all that stuff. We are stuck in the purgatory of a four-team <laughs> middle division. And uh, it, is, uh, it is rough. You have six total of six conference games. So you have to find 14 non-league games, of, right. which, of which the Catholic League makes you hold four back 
for the playoffs at the end. So we scramble in late February to find four games at the end of the season. Um, so it's, it's rough. And then the reward is that if we make the playoffs, we get to go play the huge schools. So <laughs> it is, uh, I, I think we would be much better off looking at, you know, one of the smaller conferences, either in Washington or Lenaway or, you know, some, somewhere here on league. I don't know. You know, I, I'm not sure what that is. That's, that's Mickey, the AD's job, not mine, but, um, you know, and I'm 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 a veteran of the Catholic League. That's where I played at Gabriel Shard. I I played in two conference championship games, and but that was a different era. We were a small school right. then, and uh, right now it doesn't work very well. You guys, you guys are in there with Loyola, Luther North, and Divine Child, right? Right. And, and they all they all like had sixteen or more wins, I think, last year, if I'm not mistaken. But nice, yes. uh, yeah, nice conference, yeah. Right. Well, that's, right. That's, but that's why you scheduled Olivet for uh, one of your early season games this year. Nice, nice scheduling, man. We look forward to look forward to, to being a great host for you in December. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was not uh, anticipating I was going to have to coach against a legend in that game. Oh uh, yeah. So. Yeah. We'll say <laughs> somebody, somebody wake me up in the middle of the second quarter. Okay. Wait, <laughs> well, I'm just making sure I don't play that night. Cause I want to watch the two of you coach against each other. And we'll, we'll get into that more later. Um, <laughs> But I, we, we agree with you, obviously, with your league. We've talked about it on the pod before, and, and I think you guys would be a great fit for another league like St. Mary's Catholic Central is and, and like Lumen Christie in, in leagues that are not Catholic leagues. Um, right. and, and the best part is we sit on the pod and we will judge your AD's decision. That's what we love about our job. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but, but I, my question for you is, um, you know, I, and I know the league's different. Is it different coaching at a private school, especially when, as you mentioned, it's your alma mater. And I mean, you are an all state player, you know, probably in the Hall of Fame there. I mean, wh- what is different coaching at a Catholic school compared to a public school or private school? Um. We weaving in the the religious part, obviously, um, and I don't know that that's the case at every Catholic school, but Gabriel Shard is it's it's a much more strict Catholic school than the, you know, 1979 through 83 version that I attended, Um, (laughs) you know, obviously a much different era. And so, you know, weaving in the, the the teachings of Christ and and praying at the end of practices and you know that stuff that was absolutely even if you wanted to do it taboo at a public school is required at a catholic school um Mm -hmm. and so that that's a much different rhythm and then you know just the fact that uh agree or disagree with sort of the teachings that 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 go on the kids are incredibly disciplined I, i literally last year did not have one instance in which I had to put the team on the baseline to run because somebody was late or somebody missed a practice or, you know, now I had my, as, as you know, from playing for me, Josh, I had my moments where I got upset at execution and put them on the baseline, (laughs) but, uh, but never, never behavior, you know, it's just, uh, so it is, it is, in many ways, a very easy place to coach from the management standpoint, but, you know, very, very different. Yeah, do they allow Sunday practices there? They do not, which was a huge, huge um, change for me. Obviously, I've always practiced on Sunday afternoons, and uh, now we have to practice Saturday mornings, which I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the Friday night game and then 
you know, right. it's turn, come, turning around on a Saturday morning and then you take, you know, basically the rest of Saturday and all day Sunday off. And then you practice one day and play. I, it, the rhythm is not as good as having a Sunday practice, but you know, it is what it is. You adjust. Yep. Hey coach, this is Derek. Uh, I know you've hey, coached Derek. a lot of, a lot of good players, but uh, in your opinion, who's the best player you've ever coached in your career? Ooh, boy, mm, mm. that is. And don't feel, don't be a, feel pressure to say me. It's okay. You can go. <laughs> oh man, um, that is really, really tough. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll go back. I, I think there's, there's three or four that I have to kind of lump together. I, I'd go back to my days at Wald Lake Western. A guy that both Josh and I coached, Ben Dewar. Um, yeah. Was what just, a great name, by the way. Great name, right? He just became an incredible player by the time he was a senior. And I, I believe, I believe he's the all-time leading scorer at Lake Superior State. He played, I don't know, twelve or fifteen years. I'm not sure how many years he played overseas. Was a was a pretty big star in France. Just an amazing player. And then, uh, you know, at Pioneer, I had. Uh, the the pleasure of one year of having Matt Johnson and Nate Robertson mm. both on my team uh, at the same time. That's the year we went twenty zero in the regular season. So you know that was all coaching, of course. Uh, <laughs> but uh, those guys were just incredible players. And then uh, from a pure absolute talent standpoint uh, and athleticism, I'd have to say a kid by the name of James Kelly that I had kind of in the middle of my time at Pioneer. He's still playing overseas, just a incredible athlete and um, took a lot to keep him eligible, but we did it uh, <laughs> at times. So, yeah, you know, there's so many. Jabril Hussein is another one that comes to mind. I mean, I, I've just had so many really, really good kids. Hey, by the way, uh, <laughs> you knew I was going to jump in on this one. James Kelly was on Matt Seidel's all-decade team, by the way. I, I saw that. Round pick, yeah. Uh, I think that was the steal of the draft. I think Rex just verified that for me, so I'll take <laughs> I'll, I'll take that as a victory right there. So, anyway, right. Uh, Rex, I, this is you know this is something you and I definitely uh, uh, I think is appropriate that I ask you this question. So, I want to talk about your relationship with officials. <laughs> so, and, and God knows, God knows, this, is, this coming so, from you, I love yeah, that. I, God knows, <laughs> I've, I've treated them uh, so well over the years, but. Can, can you identify, I guess, I, I, you know, I've got, I've got some favorite officials. Can you identify an official that you really enjoy when you, when you see that he's going to work your game, especially from a personality standpoint and maybe share a story or two? And I'm not saying the best official, but just saying a guy that you, you enjoy when he's working your game. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Take your time, Coach. Take your time. That... Uh... <laughs> that's a rough one you know you know probably what i would say is the guys that do the best job that i enjoy i don't even know who they are because i don't look them up after the game to rip them to the mhsaa so. <laughs> uh, but you know i've always had a really good relationship with mike knebush and and dave sontag and uh you know we we have our differences what i like what i like about them is that um they they've always given me a little space to vent without just teeing me up immediately and and they usually you know they're not perfect no official is but they usually have control of the game which which you know they they don't let it get out of control um and they're decisive whether right or wrong they're decisive so those guys i've had a good relationship with there's a lot of guys that i just don't even know who they are but they've done a great job i'll tell you where you really get great officiating is when you go up and play 
near Lansing. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. the officials <laughs> there are outstanding. Um, those are those are actually the guys that we get a lot of. You know, Olivet's part of the Greater Lansing Activities Conference, and we have people that complain about officials there too. But I agree, it, it's a it's a good group and it's a deeper group. I think. I mean, there's some great officials in Washtenaw County too. Even though I I probably never said that when I was coaching over here, right? But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you on that. We're curious. What do you think about the MHSA moving football to the spring and the impact this could have on our basketball season? You know, I I, I will. The pessimistic side of me is going to say I um, I'm not thinking much about that yet because I'm very skeptical that any of it's going to happen, um, including basketball in the winter. Mm. Um, but if it does, I'm glad there's at least a, a, a landing point for the football kids. I mean, it's heartbreaking for those seniors, especially that uh, they don't get to play football. So I'm glad they, they're going to try to do something for them. Basketball. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it, it depends on their plan. Um, right. Is, is it going to, are we going to play three games a week in a shortened season? Are we going to play less games? Uh, are we going to start earlier, end earlier? You know, obviously it's got to, there's got to be something. Um, right. But be nice uh, to know what the plan is, wouldn't it? It would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is, uh, any minute now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I share your skepticism. Um, I've been saying for a long time now, I, we really, as basketball coaches, we really needed football to go and we really need volleyball and soccer. If, if they shut all these sports down, I, I just don't see how basketball season even happens. No, I, I don't either. As I've said kiddingly before, um, I don't know how you play man to man defense with a six foot cushion. So, uh, yeah, hey, hey, come on, come on. Tro- 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 Pace teams have been doing that for two years now. I mean, obviously, if you look, you look at some of their scores. My goodness. It can be done. It can be done. So, all right. This is kind of a, a, a different format here. This, this question is actually for Matt and Josh. Uh, from what I hear, one of the things that makes Rex such a successful coach is that he's a great motivator. Both of you have coached with Rex, and Josh, you even played for him. Um, so I was hoping uh, you guys can share some examples of his motivational techniques. Oh, boy. Well, I, I tell you, I, I got one. You know, so so Rex, Rex and I go way back. I mean, he when I, I took over at Pinckney in the 90-91 season as the boys coach, I was already the girls coach there. And Rex was the JV coach who I inherited and didn't. I knew of Rex as being a great player from the Ann Arbor area, but I didn't know him personally. So Rex, Rex is my uh jv coach and this is early in the season and, and my routine was to go in and sit in the team room in pinkney and and just kind of as a, as a jv kids rex would bring his kids back down with about eight to nine minutes to go in the warm-up and he would have some final words for him and then send them out so i was just sitting in there and once rex left and i'd erase the board and start putting some of my stuff up on at least half the board and he could use the other half at halftime and all i know is we're, we're playing mylon and I'm in there, and, and the next thing you know, there's there's a bag of potato chips, and it's like big red <laughs> potato chips, something the Myron big reds. Oh, he's, yeah. he's stomping on them in the middle of the freaking team room, and and the kids go out and you, they they could have played football that day. They were so fired up, and Re, you know Rex is all jacked up, and they just leave, and all I'm left in this locker room with just potato <laughs> chips all over the place. Uh, and, and they put a thump. They put a thumping on Milo that day too. But that's when I learned about the the different level of uh, motivation from Rex. And that was not my personality to stop on chips, but it was it was fun nonetheless. So. Yeah, I 
I will elaborate even more, you know, just because I, I coached with him and played for him. Um, I, I would agree with you, Matt. His pregame speeches were were legendary. <laughs> I mean, they, they truly were. Uh, most of the words we can't use on the podcast, but um, but they, they but they they were they were truly legendary. And as a player, I would I remember storming out of that locker room. And you know, it was back in the day where you went back in the locker room with ten or twelve minutes left. I know a lot of coaches don't even do that anymore, but we'd go back in, and he would have you so fired up. It didn't matter who you were playing when you went back out there. And it was funny. What changed was when I when I started coaching with him at Waldeck Western. I would get just as fired up as a, a young coach. Like I mean, I wanted to play. I'm ready to storm out of the locker room, and I turn around, and, and coach is nowhere to be found. And he was famous for having the, the world's smallest bladder. Dude would go to the bathroom five times pregame and, and halftime. And I used to laugh back then because we'd go storming out, and I never noticed that before. But um, you know, coach was great. Uh, he introduced these stat stickers that he'd give out that would motivate you. And what I loved was the biggest stickers were always for defense, for hustle, and super sub. So he was always awarding the guys that weren't getting noticed, um, you know, with the most points or the starters and things like that. So he found a way that was one. I thought his greatest talent was he was able to motivate different people, depending on their personality. You know, he knew he could really push me both verbally and physically, but there were some guys that we played with, you know, I think about a guy that played football at Michigan, who was obviously a phenomenal athlete, Corey Sargent. Corey was a freshman with us and you couldn't get in Corey's face. And I, I remember Rex even telling me as a player that I had to back off a little bit with him. And, and again, Corey, great athlete, great player, but not his personality. And, and I thought that was maybe Rex's greatest strength. And the only other thing I, I'd say is, again, knowing who you can talk to and how you can say it, um, best thing Rex ever did for me. I was at a moment, I was 21 years old, I was a JV coach. He went out on a limb to hire me. Um, and he did it because he knew I'd be loyal. He knew I was his guy and he, he had kind of been burned in the past. And, and, but he still went on a limb to hire a 21 year old JV coach. And I started the year 0 and 4. And I was, I was whining and I was complaining that my, my players weren't any good or this and that. And I remember him looking right at me. And it was after we had just lost to our rival, Waldig Central. So he wasn't in a great mood, anyways. But he, he, he looked at me and he's like, you, you need to win with defense in the fourth quarter and you better figure it out. And there was quite a few other choice words in there, too. But, but it, it really set me straight because I realized I was letting down the one guy that I didn't want to let down. And um, my, my coaching career could have went either way at that point. You know, and, and I thought that we ended up turning the season around and it was him just calling me out, you know, making me man up basically. And, and it was, uh, that was a great thing for me. And, and I think that's why all the guys that, that he's coached always come back to him because they know he loves them and cares about them. And, and, you know, that means a lot as a player. Hey, I, I would add just to give Josh a little credit on that, 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 that JV team he's talking about as sophomores turned into the team in 1999 that could have won a state championship um, had, had things gone a little different. Uh, we ended up going, I don't know, 23 and two that year as seniors. Yeah. That's right. the group Josh had that year. Hey, Rex, 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 Rex. We, we, I, I should have covered this with you beforehand. We, we try never to stroke Josh too much on this show. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it, cause it can get out of hand when that happens. So, Hey, before we move, before we move on, Rex, do you, can you still get fired up from time to time pregame, or are you are you too old for that now? <laughs> I 
don't think I will ever be too old for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 what I would say is when Josh played for me, I was 27 and I could do it every single game. I can't quite get all the way there every single game now, but uh, I still, uh, I still have my moments. I figured, I figured. You know, and speaking of uh, speaking of Josh, you 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 obviously had the unenviable task of coaching him at South Lyon, and actually having to to use him as your point guard, which I can't even imagine what that was like. So, uh, we what what but but let but let's get into that. What was it like coaching Josh Trope in high school? Um, <laughs> he was tough and uh, determined. We butted heads a little bit because we were both strong-willed and Josh had an idea in his head how things were going to go and they weren't at least initially exactly the way I had them going <laughs> so uh we we had a few moments especially early on I mean you know I, I go in there though Josh is returning starter and, and been on varsity and and but the team had been bad so you know I had to do a lot of things a lot differently so it was, it was not surprising that there might be a little pushback here and there but Right. Um, but I have to say, Josh, Josh was a great guy to coach because he had the exact same mentality I did. We ended up having a real good relationship. Good deal. Good deal. Um, since we're talking about podcast members and, and such and experiences, do you have any Matt Seidel stories that stick out to you since the two of you have coached against each other quite a few times? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I I do remember um, when he was at Willow Run and I was still at South Lion. Um, I don't know if this is exactly a Matt Seidel story, but the, but I'll never forget the look on his face. So um, we go to Willow Run and we've got these shabby warmups, that, like just a shooting shirt, I think. And um, I had ordered these just ridiculous. Re- ridiculous gold shiny full suit warm-ups and they had gotten delivered that day so i had them in a box in the locker room so you guys talk about the going in at 10 minutes or whatever so we go in <laughs> at 10 minutes and i introduce the new warm-ups to the players so they <laughs> they go crazy and we come flying back out of the locker room like <laughs> the lights are shining off these that's <laughs> just he just turns and looks at me like, what in the heck are you doing? Here? And the two of us just stood there on the sideline laughing uh, for the whole rest of the warm-up. Another, another one of his motivational ploys, man, no doubt about it. <laughs> there it is. I, yeah. will say, I will say, I remember that game, the Flyers did prevail, uh, they did. rightfully so, in a very tough game that Rex had his, his fellows ready for. Uh, late game, a couple calls went, went against the South Lion Lions, and Rex did get uh, – did get teed up. I think I got a video of that and maybe even shared it recently. But I yeah, that think was you a, did share that <laughs> at some point. <laughs> so, anyway. That's funny. That's that, funny. that South Lion team ended up, uh, you know, going to the regional final and beating Kalamazoo Central. Yeah, it was a good year. team. Really good team. Yeah, actually, I watched that regional final game with the South Lion guys. You all know we watched it on YouTube during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We were very disappointed with your press break in that game. Yes, we were- <laughs> <laughs> you were not running the one four across there, against the diamond. There yeah. was uh, there are certain times as a coach you just have to admit there is not a dang thing you can do, <laughs> and that was yeah, one of awesome. those times. 
we were we were, no, we, I, I we were on we were already like on borrowed time we were we had no business beating Kalamazoo Central so this was just that was the gravy game and that gravy hung a hundred on us <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey Rex so I understand that you're a huge Michigan fan and have been a season ticket holder both football and basketball for years right right back um, to 1972 wow seven years old that's awesome. That's awesome. So how are you handling the Big Ten's decision to not play football this fall? You know, what, what will you do on your Saturdays? And uh, did, they, did they make the right call in your, your opinion? Um, the, what am I going to do on Saturdays in the fall? I literally have no idea. I mean, I have no idea. This has been the center of my fall existence for my whole life. So um, I, I really don't know. Um, so we're, we're going to have to cross that bridge as it comes, uh, in terms of making the right decision, I think so, uh, based on, uh, medical evidence. I think the hard part though, is, um, you know, it's turned again into something political where the, you know, the, the upper Midwest and, and upper East coast conference and the West coast conference cancel while the Southern schools are going to play and mm-hmm. the mountain West schools are going to play or, you know, the, Big 12 schools are going to play. I think it would have been much better had the five power conferences gotten together and had a unified message. We're either going to play or we're not going to play. If we're going to play, it's going to be a shortened schedule where we don't have to fly, whatever it is. Uh, I think this puts the Big Ten in a really tough bind if the SEC and ACC and Big 12 keep going and it works. Um, I'm skeptical. I, I think there's going to probably be some disruption during the season, but I think Big Ten's in a really, really tough spot now recruiting against those places. Again, huge Michigan fan. And as you said earlier, you know, you were right from the beginning when you were my coach. It just took me a little time to, to wake up. Um, and, and I have another example of this. When John Beeline arrived in Ann Arbor, I was not sold. And I remember being on a group email with you with a lot of us and none of us were really sold. And you had been going to a lot of Michigan practices and you were on board early and you were convinced he was a basketball genius. And um, by the end of his stay in Ann Arbor, I, I could not have agreed. More. So that being said, how, how do you feel about Juwan Howard now being the Michigan coach? You know, I, I think that um, I think it was an out of the box hire and it, and it was probably exactly the right kind of guy um, because you're not going to replace a John Beeline. There isn't a, there isn't a John Beeline out there to come to Michigan. You know, Michigan's a great job. It is not Kansas. It is not North Carolina uh, when it comes to basketball. Uh, so another John Beeline, and I'm not even sure there is one out there. Hmm. Um, so what do you do? Well, you go in a di- different direction. You get somebody that has NBA cachet. He's, he's an alum great person and he may not have the x and o um acumen of beeline but he's going to probably bring in a little bit um more athletic player so um i think it's a different it's a different michigan basketball for sure but uh my my early thoughts are he did a really really good job in a tough situation yeah i agree agree. i do too so hey rex uh not to you know make a belabor this point but you're not exactly a spring chicken anymore and uh, kind of like someone else i know um, right but if 
and it's a big if because we've already talked about it. We we have a, a high school basketball season this winter. Are you concerned at all about like possible health risks? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's crossed my mind. I mean, I'm uh, I like to think of myself as a, a young 55 if that even exists. But uh, I'm I'm in good shape. I'm in good health. Um, so I, I don't consider myself at the, uh, you know, part of the continuum that that's heavily at risk, but you know, that the thought crosses your mind that, yeah. you know, it, it could get there. Um, but my concern is much more for it being widespread amongst the players and the, the talk of potential longer term heart problems. And so I'm, I'm more, much more concerned about the players than I am me. Yeah, that makes sense. But, but it can, you know, pointing to you, do you, do you still play? Do you still play basketball like noon hoops? You used to do that a lot, even in your 40s, I think. Are you still doing that? I um, I think I Josh and I talked about this uh, a month or so ago. This is the first time in 50 years that I've gone this long without playing basketball and, oh, okay. because of the pandemic. So right up until uh, the pandemic hit, I was still playing at least once a week and uh, as much as two or three times a week. And that, I never really stopped. Quick story. Rex Rex was a was a heck of a adult basketball player as well. <laughs> when we were when we first got to know each other, it was probably a few years in, so this would have been probably mid nineties. I went and watched him play in an Ann Arbor rec league game. I think I, I maybe my wife was with me when we was but all I remember is first of all the dude was was draining shots from all over the place. Uh, but I also remember that a couple calls went against him and he got a technical foul as a player as well. So this, was, this was the younger, the younger version of Rex, but that, that still sticks out in my mind. I'm sure those things would never happen anymore. Anyway, I had to share that. So. Uh, I've always said, you know, I'm like two different people, the basketball me and then the regular me, you know, I'm an, I'm, I'm a nice, even killed guy off the court and a crazy man. When I get in between Nothing, wrong the Nothing wrong with that. That's cool. Hey, Rex, my last question for you is uh, kind of a strange one. Um, but do you have any regrets during your coaching or career? Um, boy, you know, I think you, in terms of the overall arc of it, no. You know, I, I, I've enjoyed every stop I've been at. Um, I think I left most places at the right time. Um, the Ipsy situation was funky, but Wall Lake Western – it was the right time to go pioneer probably was the right time to go. I think we all have, you know, there's, there's always games or, or possessions, you know, the, you know, I wish I, that 99 team I talked about, we played Pontiac Northern in the regional final. They had Lester Abram and they had the uh, Ricky. I can't remember his last name. Starting point guard at Iowa state. Nucleus and Smith was pretty good on that Nucleus team, too. Nucleus Smith, too. Yeah. And we had been a pressing team all year long. And so I stayed with it, and I, and I shouldn't have. Um, we, if we get by that game, I think we could have won the state title. I thought we were better than Pioneer that year who ended up winning it. So I have some regrets about that. And, uh, you know, a couple of things that the, the year that I – other year I thought we could have won it was 2008 at Pioneer. And um, – you know, a couple of substitution decisions in that, in that Jackson game when we got upset in the district final. I'm like, ugh, I should have done this or I should have done that or a defensive call here and there. You know, you have those things that, 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 that crop up into your head every once in a while, especially those kind of seasons where you think, man, this was a chance to win the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, 
but overall, you know, I made a decision. Uh, I, I was going to be a college coach forever. Uh, and I made a decision at some point uh, early on that high school basketball was where it was at for me. I didn't want to be on the road. I didn't want to recruit. I just wanted to teach kids uh, how to play and motivate and hopefully, you know, put them on the right track for life. And, uh, and that's what I stuck with. And I'm glad I did. We've had a lot of fun um, on the episode so far and, and stuff. And to kind of wrap up my last question for you, one is um, you did put one person on the right road for sure. And that was me. Uh, my parents will tell you, you saved me when I was in college. I was not on the right road. I was miserable. I wanted out of college baseball, uh, wasn't motivated to do much of anything. And you, you really gave me a purpose as a JV coach to motivate me to, to finish my teaching degree and, and, get excited about the next phase of my life. So I, if it, if it makes you feel better to hear that, that you, you definitely saved one young man. Um, and you know, speaking of which, you know, you and I have both dealt with former players um, losing their lives to mel- mental illness and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this, and I know you, uh, you feel strongly um, that, you know, we got to be careful with, with COVID and make the right decisions and things like that. But I, I wanted to ask, because this is the thing that tears me apart is as safe as we need to be for our physical health. I, I'm really concerned about the mental health of our players and students without school and sports. Is that something you worry about with, with your daughters, with, with your players? Is it something you talk about as a topic? Uh, I'm worried about it for sure. You know, yeah, I think back to even back when I was a high school kid, I, I don't know how I would have reacted mentally to not playing sports. I mean, I just can't imagine what that would have been like. I, I try to get myself into the head of the kids and, and man, how are they going to cope with this? Um, so yet you, you really hit something right on the head there. It's that the balancing act between the physical danger of contracting the disease and the mental danger of not participating in your sport, not socializing on a regular basis with your friends, um, not going to, in many cases, not going to class in person, man, it's, uh, you know, it's a huge balancing act and, and uh, heck yeah, I'm, I'm definitely worried about it. And I think about it a lot. I tell you what, you know, that, that strikes a nerve a little bit working in a, in a high school. I mean, we, we all are, uh, educators in a way, even Rex, who's a, a financial advisor during the day, but as a coach, you're, you're an educator, but as a Dean of students at Olivet, you know, uh, the mental health issues that we see come through the office and especially the ones that our counselor has to deal with and, and, and on a regular basis, even before this pandemic were overwhelming at times and people, I don't think they understand it. This is going to take it to an entirely different level. Uh, and it's going to make me more difficult to to support these these kids because they're not even going to be in our buildings because it's a virtual situation in a lot of schools. So it's uh, right. it's a tough one. It's a tough one to face. But I think the social media world that these kids live in has added. I mean, I, one one of my daughters has had some mental health issues uh, earlier on in high school, and she fortunately got through them. But uh, you know, the 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 social media mirror or whatever you want to call it just puts an enormous amount of pressure on these kids no doubt. you know every everything somebody can get blown up in about two minutes and not know who's blown them up <laughs> you know? i mean it's just it's crazy yeah I, I don't think we can talk about that enough but hey you know rex we could uh we're gonna we're gonna have to schedule uh, another 
podcast with you and, and but we're not going to talk basketball or, or mental health issues. I mean, we're just what we want to talk about is, is your taste in music. And uh, <laughs> we're, we're not we're, we're not going to go into that today because it's just too complex. And, and, and it takes a lot of like there's some layers to that that we all want to get to at some point. But looking at your uh, your your social talk about social media, your, your Facebook post over over time even though you're not on there a ton, uh, just some of the music. I was just like, man, I did not realize that was part of Rex's makeup. But uh, we, <laughs> well, we, we got to get to that at some point. So. Ne- next, to, next to missing basketball, you know, missing my summer concert tour this year. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, man. Well, hey, man, this, is, uh, this has been an enjoyable session, just like we uh, predicted it would be. We really uh, appreciate you taking time out of your uh, financial advising slash coaching slash music appreciation schedule to join <laughs> us. <laughs> and, uh, and, and just remember, uh, take it easy on your old friend and the Alamed Eagles come December 12, will you? <laughs> uh, it might be vice versa. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you, Thanks yeah, so take much. Take care. Yeah. Man, always, always good to hear from Rex. You think about all the players uh, he has impacted in this area over the years. It's, it's really impressive. Um, he also got, he got us thinking about Michigan basketball with his comments about the old maize and blue. And, and it makes you think, can you believe all of the Michigan players who are contributing big time right now during the NBA playoffs? Uh, you, you have Derek's boy, Duncan Robinson, going off for the heat today. You have Tim Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burke playing well for the Mavs, uh, especially last night, and Karis LeVert doing his thing with the Nets. I mean, it's uh, it's 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 been good so far. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think it's it's really exciting just to see the Michigan guys out there. I know a lot of them have kind of had some some long. It's it's taken some of them a long time to get to the point that they're at, or they didn't necessarily take um, you know that high draft pick right into a a, a role on a good team. Um, so it's kind of cool to see their hard work pay off over time. I mean, Trey Burke was, was almost out of the league before the, before the bubble. And, you know, right. he's making a huge impact last night. Um, Hardaway was, you know, constantly made fun of for the, the Knicks supposedly overpaying him, but, you know, now he's making an impact and starting for, for a good Mavericks team. And then obviously Duncan, the, the D three to the NBA story is, is amazing. And, you know, spending time in the G league and yeah, seven for eight from three today. That was looking good. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and Karis, man, I was texting you guys the other day. I think he'd look really good in the Pistons uniform since uh, the Nets don't even really need him when they get Kyrie and Katie and Dinwiddie and all those guys back. I like that. No, I, I've been incredibly impressed with the Michigan guys. And I know, you, you know, I got to be on a text chain with you two just fawning all over these guys every night. But, you know, anything go blue, right? But, uh, no, the, these guys have been impressive. It's a credit to them, like Derek said, that they've continued to work on their game and develop instead of giving up. But I would also say, and we, we touched a little bit on this with Rex, it's a credit to Coach Beeline because he has not recruited four- and five-star guys. He developed these guys, and they continue to develop. And, you know, John Sanderson also has done a great job with all those Michigan guys in the weight room. You know, so, I mean, that program did a great job developing them. And then, obviously, they, they've continued with that work ethic on their own and turned into really good pros. Um, I do feel like, though, it's important to touch upon the one Michigan guy that's really struggled as well uh, in the bubble, and that's Chris Weber, who might be the worst color analyst in the history of basketball, maybe worse than Bill Walton, to be honest with you. 
<laughs> I am I am not I am not going to agree with that. I see Webb is my guy. He uh, he has a different uh, tone and he and he tends to kind of be soft spoken, mumbles a little bit, but he he drops nuggets just like everybody else. I agree that he's he's evolving as a, as an analyst right now, but um, I, I I hear what you're saying, but I'm not totally agreeing with that. <laughs> I, I guess I just struggle because there's the Van Gundys and and Mark Jackson who just have that incredible high IQ of the game and they're breaking it down. You know, I, I grew up in that era and a little bit of Hubie Brown before he went to radio. So, but hey, Steve Webb was definitely the best player of any of them though. Uh, he, yeah, he, he was pretty good by the way. Uh, he <laughs> definitely was pretty good. And I will say this, Josh, before we, before we sign off, your, uh, your love for the Mavs and the way they play is starting to rub off on me. I mean, I, the more I watch them and I've gotten a chance to do it with these playoffs and the way the games are set up right now, they really are uh, a fun team to watch and, and hard not to, not to pull for. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely being uh, drawn in by that lure right now. So, all right. Anyway, well, if you uh, get a video, I'll, I'll have to get a, I'll send you a picture of me in my Luca T-shirt, and you can post it <laughs> in the podcast. Got an ugly number. <laughs> you got an ugly number, but he definitely can play. He's got some guys with him too, probably more than people realize. But anyway, that uh, that does it for this episode of Coach Speak. Uh, Derek, Josh, appreciate your profound thoughts and efforts once again. We also thank everyone for tuning in, and we look forward to next time when Tecumseh Athletic Director and former Eastern Michigan basketball standout John Zajac joins us for what promises to be an entertaining conversation. Until then, stay safe. Mask up and peace.